0: Okay.
1: Welcome to Meet the Author, where you can join in on insightful conversations with best-selling and award-winning indie published authors. Your hosts today are Rob and Joan, who themselves are indie published authors, book publicists, and paranormal investigators with Tampa Bay Spirits, based in Tampa Bay, Florida. Thanks for dropping by. And now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Joan. Welcome to the show. And now let me say this is a pre recorded show. (laughs) Even though it's showing live, it's pre recorded. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So if you're making comments and I'm not putting your comments up on the screen or you're asking questions, that's why. But we will try and get to those questions in those comments. And when we're traveling, like we will be doing, it's very iffy whether we're going to have Wi-Fi or not. So, very. That's why this show is pre pre-recorded
2: Usually, not not enough bandwidth. Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
1: Yep, too many people trying to use it.
2: Right. Yeah. We want to remind everybody of just following this show, Voice of Indie Podcast, on BlogTalkRadio.com with hosts Beam Weeks and Stephen Gary G's. Great time to interact with uh, their guests as yes. well, their authors. Uh, or you can go to and you can go to Twitter and go to at fresh Inc group and see the pinned tweet there. Mm-hmm. You'll see who's going to be on the show and link up to the show. Mm-hmm. And you can comment using hashtag French uh, Fresh Inc. Group. Uh, <laughs> not French, Fresh Inc. Group. Um, and they'll get those comments and they'll ask the questions uh, or make the comments on the air. Or you can call in to area code 516-453-9902 and be talking right on the show live. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's every Wednesday right after our show is their show. Right. Works out pretty good. Uh, This coming Saturday, as episode rewind is 5.30 p.m. uh, right here where you're watching right now. Uh, This Saturday, October 1st, will be episode 44. And the author is James (laughs) Snichowski. I always have trouble with James's name uh i wonder why poor but James. You, yeah poor james he's a wonderful author yes. and uh has wrote some very impactful books so uh be sure to tune in then um other than that
1: well speaking of impactful we have a very impactful uh, author for you tonight her name is shara lewis campbell not only is she an author but she is also a publisher In many continents, not just her own, she's coming to us from London today, and she has a lot to talk about, so why don't we bring her on?
2: Why don't we? Come on in. Hi, Shara. Hi, Shara.
3: Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Thank you so much, Ralph and Joan, for having me. Thank you for
1: being on. Just think about it. If others wouldn't be on our show, we wouldn't have a show. We'd be sitting (laughs) here talking
2: to ourselves.
1: (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Oh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started writing, how you got started publishing, you know, the whole nine yards, everything you're involved in.
3: Sure. Um, I think as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to be an author. Um, so I think for as long as I could read, you know, I, I think that's a place where I sort of started with my journey was as an avid reader. So I would get through quite a few publications um like a day so i could read maybe about i would say anything from about say three to five from like the tender age from about say seven upwards so you know i was constantly reading you would always be found in a book and i think that's really what sparked my interest in you know becoming an author and it was the only thing i ever wanted to do you know that and traveling so um i would be you know constantly writing through school i would be great at english it was my favorite subject and i can guarantee you that you know whenever i wrote something like a story or something it was always read you know um by the tutor you know at, at the time so um you know that was where it happened for me and then back in you know well i even before then um i was going to say just before i would say like when i was like fresh out of school and things like that I was still writing and you know honing and on my craft as it were and I would do like my A-levels and do really well um, with that and um, so it really sort of sparked my interest and I realized well my stepfather was always you know urging me to go away and do a degree with it but you know we didn't have any connections there was lots of traditional publishing and no independent publishing at that time so I felt very despondent uh, with that and didn't pursue it as a, a course, except as as a hobby. So I had loads of material, and um, when I did my A levels, um, the tutor there came to see me at my home one day, and he said to me, "I really think you should, you know, take this up as a hobby." He says, "Like you're really gifted with this," and um, again, I didn't do anything with it, and uh, you know, I just continued as I was, you know, just working like everybody else doing a night to five and just passing the time of day, but still, you know, consistently writing. And then, um, you know, I remember I'd sort of taken, did a, uh, an initial degree in psychology, which I didn't use. Um, there were some complications <laughs> with that as well, because it wasn't charted as it was told to us it was. So I would have to go away and do more study, you know, and I just wasn't it wasn't really for me um, and it certainly wasn't authoring <laughs> so uh, you know I decided you know my my stepfather literally badgered me for 10 years to go away and do an uh, English degree which I did and um, it was then when I did a, a sort of module on fiction writing fiction and I decided at that time that I was just you know I, I got a first for it and I decided then that I was gonna, when I finished the degree, I was gonna go and utilize this in some way and become an an author. And I still really didn't know much about the independent scene or anything like that. Halfway through my degree, I was um, I'd find myself working as an editor for a small magazine, and uh, I published in there three times, um, and that did very very well. Um, and you know, it's where I sort of learned all my publishing skills and honed a bit more about my writing and still writing but I was very much doing it in in secret you know I wasn't telling anybody that I was doing it and you know I wasn't I was a shy writer and I wasn't you know I I felt that I wrote from a very genuine place and I wasn't quite willing to share that information with anybody else at that time I was very protective of the work and you know um, nobody I'm the first writer in my family so it wasn't as if I was you know had loads of support to kind of share or, you know, people that were experts in this field to, you know, share this information with. So I never did. Um, And then, um, you know, after I finished my degree, I decided, right, this was it. I was going to, you know, go away and become an author. And at that time, it would involve me uh, traveling to Australia, which I would end up living there for four years. Um, And during that time, I would still do lots of traveling as well so i was really living out my best life as it were (laughs) traveling writing and you know and yeah just as i visualized it you know as a kid you know as i as i was saying to you i was now doing that you know writing about my experiences and um you know when i um moved to australia um i would suffer um i would meet someone there and that's how i you know, and that was the romantic part of it. And, um, but whilst I was out there, I would also suffer and incur quite a, a lot of racism and uh, prejudice. And, oh. uh, yeah, and that's what really spurned, you know, um, I felt compelled to write about it. And that's what McGoran's Beach is about. It's about this beach romance.
1: Oh, wait yeah. a minute. Let me bring up that book while we're thinking about it. Let me show the cover. There mm-hmm. you go. I didn't know that
3: yeah yeah that's very cool that's the one yeah so that's right so in this in this particular um uh, book in this this first book it really just sort of outlines um the story of the romance and you know not so much it doesn't go into great detail it just kind of gives you a really sort of in-depth outline as to why i was there how that came about um why I would end up there for four years and and talks about you you sense it doesn't go into any of the racism or anything like that at the time, but you sense that something's going to transpire, you know. Okay. And it's it's written in third person character as well. So I don't sort of let on um, that I'm the person that's <laughs> the book is about, you know, at the time. Right. Based on a true story. Um and uh yeah, and then at the end of it I give the big reveal and you know and i tell them that it's myself that's gone through this you know experience and then um and then that comprises like the second book which i write uh, a year later and i must say as well the first and second book are all written in real time you know so as the events occur i write about them and um you know the the betrayal uh, mcgrin's beats of betrayal really goes into a lot of detail as to the events and you know breaks it down a lot more um yeah
1: and uh, let me tell um the listening audience who are, are not watching the first book is McGarin's Magor- speech and that's what Shara was just talking about and then McGoran speech the betrayal is the second one so that's, that's the second year that that she is there
3: that's and,
1: right um go ahead now. So does that go more into the racism that you were facing? Yeah, it it
3: breaks into the racism and the prejudice. Um, So it it really, it really does explain it all. I mean, there's, there's nothing that's left out, you know, in regards to that. So that second book just really breaks down all the information, all the different experiences I went through in great detail. Um, So I think the first book was like, about 90 pages uh about that but about 1900 pages and the second book is almost 400 pages you know so it really does uh, break down the detail of it but what it does in the second book which is what's really you know the theme that i i think is uh, depicted all throughout is the overcoming the adversary, you know, that I went through, you know, the being stranded, where I was stranded in the second world. I don't want to give too much away, otherwise no. not mm-hmm. to <laughs> you know, There's parts of it where I'm sort of left stranded on my own, so I've travelled. You know, Australia was never a place that I'd been to before 2016, but it was a place that I'd always wanted to go to as much as, as long as I'd always wanted to become an author. So, you know, the two coincided really, really well for me. Um, so, yeah, um, so it talks about those experiences and what I went through, but it also talks about how I was able to overcome it as well, and, and I think that's the really important part for me, um, in the book. So when people, you know, I wrote those two books, you know, they're my first two books, and I think, in all, I think I've done, like, eight or nine publications, uh, altogether. So, um, you know, after the second book, I was quite drained and wanting to, um, <laughs> And, and the second book kind of homes in on like the second or, and third year of my time in Australia. And then, like, the, the, the last book, which is currently being written, um, and um, yeah, which is Mark Goran's Beats, Lies and Deceit. Um, and that has a whole new book cover because uh, I wanted to take some, a good amount of time out from it. I felt quite drained after the second book. And um, just wanted to write about other things that interested me, you know. Um, I didn't want to come across as a, a one-trick pony. And I think that if I had written mm-hmm. this third book after the, the second book, I don't think I would have wrote, I think it would have put me off writing for life, to be honest. Yeah, so,
2: there you go.
3: Yeah, so I'm glad you that I... have done. Yeah, I would have been, definitely. So, um, so the are, cover... I have, Breaking for history. those that
1: are just listening and not um and not watching the podcast i just want to mention that the covers of both um McGarn's beach and McGarren's beach the betrayal are both very pretty i looked like an australian beach yeah, to
2: me colorful beach and
1: it, yeah. but lies in to sea is very dark yeah. it's uh, uh, dark cliffs dark water Stormy dark skies. sky yeah. yes very and, good. um does that mirror what's being told in lies and deceit
3: i think that um i would say two things um in that mcgroan's beach is actually a beach in uh australia so that's the beach where this all took place and it's a a 90-mile beach as well and it looks nothing like the beach that you see on uh, the covers of my books and the reason for that is is because It wouldn't have told the story in the right way for me. Um, You know, um, it was very intense my time in Australia. I don't think that many people have experienced it the way I have (laughs) when I was out there, um, which was unfortunate. But there was also some very great things to come out of Australia for me. You know, it helped to put me in the position that I'm in today, uh, which I can't complain about at all. And I'm in a very, very happy place indeed. Um, And um, I couldn't ask for more, you know, in terms of where my career has led me to. Um, But yeah, I just think that um, uh, um, the McGoran's Beach for me, uh, uh, the story that I tell is a very different one than the time that I've experienced on McGoran's Beach. I loved it there, you know. Um, not many Australians do, actually, um, on Magoran's Beach because it's very open, um, so, you know, you get a lot of sort of direct sunlight and it can be quite windy and, and so forth, but I, as a beach, I really loved it, you know. It's um,
2: What it's part cool. of Australia is that in?
3: It's in uh, Melbourne, but it's in um, South Gippsland, so it's, um yeah, it, it's down okay. there. <laughs> I'm surprised I remember that after all this time. <laughs> <laughs> let's go
1: on to a couple of your other books here too uh, beauty and the beast two souls connected by divine literature you want to tell us a little bit about that
3: yeah sure so that particular book is um i, I, I don't know where it ranks it's it, i don't know if it's my fourth fifth or sixth because i kind of stopped counting with them because uh, a lot uh, happens from here, uh day to day but um that particular book, we wanted to tell the story of how our company got together, and it's very unique with um, myself and my uh, business partner uh, as to how we formed the company, and it's quite a unique setup even today um, as we speak, um, but it's a, a very successful one now. Um, it's just recently won an award, so we're now an award-winning company, which we became awesome. July yeah so I'm so chaffed and we, we had no idea either that we were even up for an award which is even makes it even more so splendid to see it, like um,
1: it <laughs> yeah
3: the best kind of awards right when you don't know that you're actually up for them <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so um it kind of tells that story and um I believe it's next year that we are um, going to actually be doing uh, the film or the movie um, for uh, for that as well because it's quite a unique and interesting story. So.
1: Wonderful. Awesome. Congratulations. Have
2: to let us know when that happens. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. We'll yeah, do. And then this next one is That's Humanity right. at Work. Okay.
3: Yeah, I'm very very proud of this book indeed. So this book here is um, part of my um, non-profit uh, organisation, um, which I run with the main author that is shown on the book there, uh, Mac Bogart, and um, and also my business partner and a range of uh, other friends as well that all wrote for this book internationally from all around uh, the world. We all came together. There was. Uh, over nearly 40 of us, I believe, and that um, contributed to that book. And um, really, it's a charity book where all the proceeds go to uh, Doctors Without Borders, that uh, wonderful charity that do some amazing work. And um, we just wanted to really tackle, especially after the pandemic, I think anybody leading up to the uh, pandemic and COVID, etc., cetera, um, probably would have denoted that uh, workplaces themselves Becoming quite depressive, you know. um, People are under a lot of stress, you know, prior to COVID and probably during and since. Um, uh, But especially leading up to it, I think workplaces have become sort of um, some of them have become quite depressive, quite negative as well, um, where people are not being valued um, and there were high sickness levels, mental illness, and you know, uh, health and wellness issues etc so i think that covid although it was a very scary and unprecedented time also gave us a lot of time to kind of think you know within ourselves what are we doing you know to ourselves to the to each other you know um you know we're burning ourselves out you know we're not doing the jobs that we want to do we're not very committed you know we're just there as it is (laughs) you know it's all very negative can you describe
2: the cover for us and the meaning behind it so
3: it's a collection of hands and um um, and they're all put together to form what is should be like the brain you know um, and how we should function so um and they're um all different hands of all different you know, uh, walks of life and races
2: and so on. It's a pretty um, cool idea. I think so too. Um, yeah, um, too. Break
1: for a commercial. Okay, We have to take a quick commercial break. For those of you watching or listening, don't go away. We'll be right back. Just sit right where you are, Sharon. We'll be right back. Thank you.
4: They thought the siren was dead. They thought the siren was dead. In a novel. Siren Song, by author George Dismukes. James Harmon shot her twice. Several people saw her dead body sinking slowly into the abyss. But now, in Siren Song 2, evidence suggests that she may still be alive.
3: She
1: killed that boatload of people. It was her. And she's just getting started.
3: Angie, that's impossible
1: the cold chill up my spine tells me it's not impossible we've got to start all over again and this time do it right
4: siren song 2 the story continues available on amazon barnes and noble and many other bookseller websites get your copy today
1: At Indie BookSource, you can shop by genre or by author, and you will be buying direct from the author's main purchase link. We offer hundreds of titles and formats that include eBooks, paperback, hardbound, and audiobook. Support an indie author. Visit IndieBookSource.com today.
2: In a world where advancing technology is outpacing crime-solving, the O'Rourke team continues their relentless pursuit of justice. Bioprints is the first book in the O'Rourke crime novel series where it's high tech crime versus old fashioned detective work. Visit carternovels.com or amazon.com and check out Bioprints today. And we're back.
1: Welcome back. Mm-hmm. I have one more book to go through. No, two. Two more. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Poetic Declarations. Yep. Love
3: that book. So um, that's how I met my uh, that's the first uh, book myself and my business partner ever published and that was way before we even had our uh, publishing company so this would mark the sort of the beginning of our sort of union as it were um as co-authors and this was the first time i would have co-authored with anyone so um yeah um it'd be we weren't even business partners at this time you know this is just uh, someone who was very keen to publish and we're in the extraordinary circumstances um so I agreed to. or uh, well, felt compelled, really, to actually, um, after hearing their story, to uh, publish their first work, and and this would be it. So yeah, really that's really feel. interesting. In Thirty Nine Steps, the nation's yeah. glory. That's right. I published that. That's actually my second book. So I published MacGowan's Beach first, then this one, um, and just because I was so keen to publish again, you know, and just say that I wanted to, you know, I was very keen to publish, and that one there um, is very special to me actually. Um, I actually uh, presented that or started working on that piece, um, uh, that book there, as part of my one of my um, uh, novels for one of my uh, writing fiction uh, courses that I did uh, at uni and I would then go on to develop it a bit more and um, I got a first for that so I would then go on to develop it a bit more thereafter. The course and uh, publish it as well uh, as a novel
1: you want to tell us what it's
3: about a little bit yeah sure it's actually a, a parody based on one of my heroes um, which is Usain Bolt you know the Olympic runner so yes. it's based on him so I I, I just basically wrote a, a short uh, story about him and around one of his races and that's why it's called that
1: Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, 39 steps yeah, yes. now I get it. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Your publishing, uh your nonprofits, anything else you'd like to discuss?
3: Yeah, I'd just like to say that um obviously I have a publishing company, Beauty and the Beast uh publishing. Um We've had that two years, it's now an award-winning company, so I'm very, very proud of that fact. Um, we got the award back in July um, at the, and we earned that from the uh, Black British uh, Olympics uh, uh, Expo USA. Um, so we're very pleased to have that um, award and acknowledgement from them. Um, Outside of that as well, uh, I own um, two non-profits, not myself, but um, as a collective. Um, So we own the Humanity at Work Foundation, as I mentioned, which is a part of that book um, that you showed earlier. And that's uh, all the proceeds for that go to Doctors Without Borders. We're currently working on the second um, uh, book series for that and still deciding on um, to determine which charity will uh, get the proceeds for that it would be a different one other than uh, doctors without borders and that would be kind of like the process for sort of every book that we bring out under that uh non-profit organization and then outside of that i have um the i'm also co-founder of the shift um, which is uh, another non-profit and we look at ways of uh, creating generational wealth through writing um, yeah, as well as uh, sort of raising awareness and fundraising uh, for that organization as well. And also um, looking at ways of uh, creating and developing a generational wealth for upcoming uh, generations. So That's very important to us. Mm-hmm. And then outside of all of that and back to the writing, um, I'm also a writing coach as well at the um, co-founder of the Snazzy Jars Writing Academy. Where we teach people all everything that we know uh, to do with um, both book composition um, and uh, publishing as well. So, and we also, um, I will say, uh, something I don't probably say enough. As well as the book publishing, we also uh, have the media services department as well, and we also produce and uh, screenplay uh, write screenplays for uh, movies as well. Awesome! Wow.
1: That's a, what do you find now? Do you author the screenplays or do other people author the screenplays?
3: Uh, I do them as well, but we have a team that does them. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So you personally, do you find writing screenplays more difficult or just as difficult or more easy or just as easy as writing a book?
3: I think with the, screen, the screenplays, there's a lot more restrictions in terms of how they look, you know. So in terms of how they set, yeah. Um, in the ones that I have written, um, I can say that I have enjoyed them at that time when I did those. Um, but I would prefer to write books, you know. That's me. I, you know, I would prefer to be an author. But at the same time, you know, I I get as much satisfaction i can't say more but as much satisfaction in being a publisher for other people as well for other aspiring authors you know it gives me so much joy to be a part of their legacy and then be a part of mine you know and to know that around the world at least over 70 people currently when they're doing what i'm doing and somebody's asking them how they get how they got started etc at some point I'm going to be a part of that conversation for them, you know, or uh, not so much me, but the business um, that we have, and um, or me, you know, (laughs) um, it's all very much encompassing. So, or the team, etc. And that's always going to be the buzz for me, really, you know, because whilst I'm a part of their legacy, there, it's an exchange of legacy, isn't it? Building, um, so they form a part of mine as well, and. Yeah, it's just really nice to have those connections and to be making that difference in the world. It really is,
1: yeah. Yeah, we love having this platform where we can give authors the chance to uh, be known and heard, yeah. and for people to meet them. It's right. it's really it's fun, and it's yeah. great yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, people, if we're getting a bunch of feedback, but. No lie. Probably because this is transatlantic. (laughs)
0: Gremlins.
1: (laughs) Gremlins in the machine. Sharon, of course, is in London and we are in Tampa Bay, Florida. So bear with us, people. (laughs) Now, I know something that all of our authors always want to ask that are watching the show and that are usually in our audience. Um, Are you a plotter or are you a pantser? And you've heard those terms
3: before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say probably a plotter, more so, <laughs> yeah. of the two. You realize you're in the
1: minority, right? <laughs> yes.
3: I love the question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have um, one of the authors who's been on our show and is sometimes in the audience is Linda Purtle, and she's married to Caleb Pirtle. Okay. Caleb is a pantser. And right. And... Linda is a retired English teacher slash principal, and she is definitely a plotter. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an interesting uh, uh, concept. I think that a lot of people are maybe hybrid. Yeah. Fall somewhere in the middle of that.
3: I agree, yeah.
1: Because you have to have a little bit of plotting to...
3: I think so, definitely. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean we're definitely more pantsers than Yeah,
2: but every once in a while you have to set down some, yeah. you know, outline, you know, to see where you're at so you don't get lost. Yeah, exactly.
3: It helps me to keep on track. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like to research
1: and so when I research I keep a lot of notes. Yeah. And uh obviously otherwise why do the research? <laughs> you're not know, gonna keep notes about it. <laughs> but I, those notes are really helpful when you're wanting to do something and that's the same thing with plotting it's really helpful when your when your characters get carried away and start going down the garden path <laughs> yeah
3: definitely yeah and um, it's 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 nice to see how they evolve you know um, it's, it's especially I think as well when you have the luxury of sort of writing um Series like McGoran's Beach, and it's based on a true story. You know, you have the freedom to kind of do what you want with it, you know, because it's only you that knows what parts of it, you know, is actually the true story. (laughs) And what parts, you know, it's for everyone else to determine did that really happen? Or (laughs) I don't want to ever want to spoil it for anyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Does anybody, has anyone ever asked
3: you, did that really happen? Yeah, they do. They well, they say to me, "I can't believe that's happened." <laughs> more, than, more than anything else. So, um, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They're. Uh, I know that even in our books, we in ours are are definitely, you know, fiction, fiction, yeah. and. Uh, but some of the things that we've written in there, because they're murder mysteries, are really disturbing <laughs> yeah
3: yeah and i know I, you know i and i can i can really resonate um with that as well you know in some of the work that i've published for other people i even feel as well even some of my own work you know some of the experiences that we've written about you know um are very much sensitive you know uh issues um yes but, yes you know you have to have a certain sort of uh Strength and mindset to kind of cope with, you know <laughs> very yeah. strong subjects, strong yes businesses. yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, probably some of our books need to have a warning for people that you know for certain things because it could be a trigger
3: exactly you know? I have them in mind, you know, McGraw's Beach has them,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, our audience already knows this, but my um uh Rob and I have been together for 46 years, but I had a previous marriage and it was an abusive marriage. I was right. married to a narcissist and it wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. So even now, after many years and, you know, having a really happy life, um, things can still trigger me and push me back into yeah. a um into a place that i'd rather not
3: go (laughs) i agree and 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 to be honest with you i mean i suppose that can be said for a lot of the experiences that some of us may go through yes yes um, you know sometimes you just probably feel unfairly treated you know or you feel some sort of unjust and you know if you're ever reminded of that or sometimes you don't need to be you know you could be just in your own space doing nothing and that thought just comes back there and it takes you back there for that time, you know, and you kind of have to sort of counsel yourself out of it to remind yourself how far you've come, you know, and since then, you know. But yeah. I, I think that some of those more traumatic experiences, I think they're very difficult to overcome, you know, and they they always keep you kind of mindful and a little bit wary. They shape us, don't they?
1: Oh, definitely, you know. Um Everything that you go through makes makes you who you are today, and it all depends on how you uh, respond to situations. You know, we can't go through life blaming other people. No. You need to, even when they've abused you, it's your response that counts.
3: That's right, you know, and it's how you deal with that. You know, that's right. Uh, going forward, you know, yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes never really we need help to that's respond physically right. So. Exactly. And I, I think we just all have to bear in mind that sometimes, if you have been unfairly treated or unjustly treated, it's never really about you. It's always, usually, about that person and where they're coming from. You
1: know, it's always right. about that person. That's right. It always is. I. For, there was a period of time when I was in sales, and um, I like everybody to like me, and I like everybody, and right. so my family was really surprised that I could do sales because you're put in situations where not everybody's going to like you. No, and, um, and it never it never bothered me when people would come in and be very upset about... Uh, what I did was I, I, I was in charge of... Um, Home Depot is a big... Uh, yes,
3: I know Home Depot. Okay. Yeah. And
1: I was in charge of all of their... Um, their sales that they did for, uh, you know, putting in windows and doors. And so we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for jobs. And if it's not done to the person's satisfaction, they're going to be a little upset when they come back to see you. (laughs) And it it never bothered me because I knew that if I were in their situation, I would also be very upset, you know. Yeah. If I had spent 30,000 dollars on Windows, I would expect them to be perfect and not crooked or not unable to open. Yeah. So we had to fix that and they could yell all they wanted at me and I didn't I didn't take it personally, which I know shocked a lot of people <laughs> that I was that's,
3: just like, that's character building though and um sure you it know, is. <laughs> you know, and I and I personally I feel like you know it's again like you just quite said it's not really about it's not about you it's about them and I would be I would be understanding of that as well I'd be the first person if something if I got something and it wasn't accordingly I, I would probably come back and I'd probably express how I felt about that as well at the time.
1: <laughs> However, you could express it in a way that wasn't
3: screaming yeah, in somebody's no, face. So. I wouldn't definitely not, you know. And I
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't either, but I never did get upset with the people who did because that really was them, not me. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
3: That's <laughs> out of your control.
1: The problem with the the product. Yes. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah. <laughs> The problem with your attitude and the that's way you express it—that's on you. That's so go right. Ahead.
3: Exactly. So slightly-
1: you i can't talk anymore, and then we'll come to a solution. That's
3: right. You're slightly different from me, though, Joan. I mean, mm-hmm. I hear you. I, I think we've all come from a place where, at some point, we all wanted to be liked, etc. Oh yeah. But I, th- I think t- today. I think I'd rather have the respect than the like you know i i it doesn't matter to me whether I'm not here to be liked, you know wow. I'll say that you know I'm just here if people like me that is really a bonus i think you know but i'm i you know i I'd like to think that i I'm a likable person, I think I would go as far as that <laughs> you know, and I would like to think that people do warm to me um but you know, if they don't, I understand too. Just as much. I have a
1: pretty strong personality, so mm-hmm. most people either like me or dislike me. Sure. And again, I like that too. Like you said, I don't really care. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. But, but you're right. If they do respect me, that's that's but, good. I would yes. prefer that everybody liked me because yeah. I generally like. Everybody.
2: Actually, we do care if the sponsors like us. So
1: we better we better take our second break.
2: (laughs) When we come back, we're gonna tell you everybody how to contact you. How to contact our book giveaway. Okay.
1: Come back because we'll have the book giveaway and we'll give you all of Shara's contact.
2: Exactly. Here we go.
4: Many secrets are hidden within the darkness of the jungle. Behold, this one about a man, a woman, a black jaguar, and an ancient Maya legend. Two Faces of the Jaguar is a novel by George Dismukes that will take you deep into the jungle and capture your imagination until the last word. Two Faces of the Jaguar is book one of a trilogy. Two Faces of the Jaguar were only the adventurous dare to read
1: two faces of the jaguar the lost city and the jaguar's quest are available on amazon.com barnes and noble and many other bookseller websites two faces of the jaguar the book people are talking about get your copy today
3: Every Wednesday, your voice of indie hosts Beam Weeks and Stephen Gs welcome authors, musicians, publishing industry pros, artists, and assorted creative guests for an exciting interactive hour. Call in during the show or post questions and comments on Twitter for responses in real time. Meet your favorite indie creators, learn inside tips, network, and promote your work. The link for each week's show is pinned on Twitter atop at Voice of And you can receive the link every Wednesday morning in your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter at FreshInkGroup.com. Check out Voice of Indie every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio and catch hundreds of episodes archived everywhere from our websites to our YouTube channel and Spotify.
0: Yeah. And we're back.
1: Welcome back, all right, people. Let's get right to it. So, first of all, if you want to peruse all of her books and everything going on, you need to go to Shara's website, and that is BeautyAndTheBeastPublishing.net. B E A U T Y A N D T H E B E A S T P U B L I S H I N G.
2: And
1: net. if you don't know how to spell dot net, I'm just sorry. <laughs> 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 Twitter is at S Lewis Campbell One S at sign S L E W I S C A M P B E L L one. Facebook, I've already spelt this Beauty and the Beast Publishing. So that's easy. LinkedIn is S space Lewis hyphen Campbell. L E W I S hyphen C A M P B E L L. And on Instagram, you can find her on Beauty and the Beast Publishing. And her email, and I'm going to leave this up here because we'll be doing the book giveaway soon, is us at beautyandthebeastpublishing.net.
2: Okay. So right. the book giveaway itself, get your finger, typing fingers ready, guys. Here we go. Book giveaway the first three people to email us at beautyandthebeastpublishing.net will win an ebook of choice of any of the books uh, basically that we've been talking about here tonight and uh so go ahead and enter and i hope you all win all yes. of you
1: <laughs>
2: well, at least three of you yes. and everybody else buy the books okay.
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> definitely buy the books <laughs> Now, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we uh, wrap up the show? We've got quite a bit of time left, so don't worry. You can talk about whatever you want to
3: talk about. Oh, wow. Um, Just to say that I'm very – I just would like to just um, thank everyone, really, for the support that we've had, you know, in the time that we've been doing this. You know, I have an amazing team, although I'm always the one that's doing all the speaking on behalf of the – the the company i would like to say that you know i, I don't know it, i wouldn't be able to do any of this without the amazing team that i have behind me you know so um it's probably a really good time to just thank a few key people if you don't mind um no, you do not mind oh excellent i'm hoping they don't either because <laughs> they they like to stay in the uh, background a lot of them but I, first and foremost I'd really like to just thank uh, my business partner um, Andrew Foster he's been absolutely amazing had it not been for him we wouldn't definitely not be uh, an award-winning company uh, so I'd like to really put that say that on public record um, I'd also like to just thank our business partners um, um, also um, mainly um, Dion Wilson uh, Dennis Pitocco I build uh, Mac Bogart uh, all those key people there they're all within my inner circle and uh, you know help me to do what I do um, and to and, and make us so successful with what we do you know so I'm, I'm very pl- pleased to be in this in such good company <laughs>
1: so let me ask you this how long have you had a publishing company
3: um, Wait. We- Beauty and the Beast we've had will be going into, at uh, this time, sorry, December next year will be three years. So we've had it two years this year.
1: Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Relatively yeah. new then.
3: Yeah, right, yeah. So wow. and, and then prior to that, I had a, a smaller one before I had, and I had that for, oh, I would say maybe, maybe all coming up to two years. Yeah. And
1: how long since you published your first book? I know that you published in magazines prior to that, but your first
3: book. Um, So my first book I think I published in 2016, 2016,
1: 2017, I think, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And I guess I'd like to know why you decided to go into publishing. Was it because of what's happening in the writing field now or...?
3: I never thought that I would um, see myself uh, being a publisher. I just always thought that I would be an author. Uh, But it was really important to me that I had the control as an author. So with that came the publishing. So when I realized that, I mean, prior to publishing my own work, I was publishing anyway, you know, um, in terms of the editing that we were doing and, um, you know, for the the magazines that I was working on behalf of. And to be honest with you, I didn't really enjoy that work as much. Um, I was just grateful for the skill. And I never thought that I would do it as in the big way that I do today. Um, So I have to really be thankful for places like KEP and, um, you know, other publishing platforms that make it so much easier for me to do what I do. I just wish they wouldn't keep changing things <laughs> as often as they do, but I suppose it helps to keep me on top of uh, my skills. Um, so <laughs> so I'm all for that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I always wanted to be an author more than I was a publisher, but I'm so pleased that I do the publishing uh, more so than I do the authoring. You know, I mean, as you know, with the authoring, I can't do that as quickly as I publish other people's work, you know, because I just right. couldn't get through the amount of work as often, but, uh, you right. know, I, I'm glad that I'm in a space where I can actively publish, I'm, I'm doing over, I've, we've done over 70 now, so um, I'm really pleased um, with those numbers, because it means that I'm then able to sort of assist somebody else in being published, you know, there's enough room for everyone. and. Um, if I can't publish them all myself, at least I can say I've had a hand in um, over seventy. So I'm pleased um, with that. To be able to contribute to those to those works. Well, so, kind of hand in hand yeah.
2: with that, um, I wanted to ask you: which you get the most enjoyment out of? I mean, you do. You're a ghostwriter, author, mm-hmm. editor, publisher, and a writing coach. So you mm-hmm. do all those things. Which one is your heart?
3: Author.
1: Yeah.
3: Listen. yeah probably uh, i would say as an author uh, i author. would say though i would say as an author but i would also say that i um i'm more interested in the writing that i'm doing today so morgan's beach would be yeah it's very important to me but it's a closed chapter now you know and um, so i'm really pleased to kind of get that series done and under my belt i don't think i'll I can't say I don't think because I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I don't think I'd be so keen to write another trilogy. Um, I'd want to do just single pieces of writing. I like the articles that I'm writing, so I think I get more. That's why I'm probably so hesitant in writing in answering because I I think I'm more liking the article work that I'm doing these days. You know the okay. white papers that I'm writing. You know that stuff is so important. You know to work that I'm doing. So I I see me more going down that route rather than, and probably bringing out books more aligned to that, you know, as to, that's really where my interests are. That's
1: interesting, because that is what I was going to ask you, that if, you know, what you see yourself writing in the future, if you would do um, any type of fiction again, and what type it would be, so really you're saying you would rather write articles
3: i think so i'd rather write um non-fiction i think and i think if i'm i'm not saying i'm adverse to a fiction if i if i feel like i've got a good story here i'm gonna run with it i just can't help myself you know i'm like any other author then you know i probably i probably say to myself i don't want to write just books for the sake of it you know i just want to I want to write stuff that is really meaningful to me. It's going to be impactful. It's going to change society, you know, or make a difference, you know, in the world. That's the kind of writing because those are the people that I'm reading, you know, and, uh, you know, I I want to have my place there. So I suppose in terms of articles and and collective writing as well, you know, like in the Humanity at Work book, you know, I would like to do more of that, you know, uh, collective writing. And I think you get more books out that way as well, don't you? If if I'm just contributing an article to that book, you know, and I'm writing um, with 40 other um, authors, I think that's a really great space to be in, I really do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So your heart's really right now in doing inspirational work and also work that maybe um, would be educational, not educational as in learning math, but educational. in exposing um what the world is like yes and uh how we can help change it
3: sure more societal writing like you say yeah yeah yeah
1: well that's that's really good thank that's you. very interesting
3: thank you i still do me
1: you feel like a slouch because
3: <laughs> no, i not haven't at all.
1: Written anything like that
3: <laughs> but you have such an i think you have such a an inspiring story to tell so maybe it's to be written
1: yes well uh i know which one you're referring to (laughs) (laughs) and it's difficult for me to talk about without um getting really emotional because of the injustice And i don't know you told us in the pre-show that you have a grandmother who's irish and i don't know if it's all irish or just most of the irish descent people that i know we cannot stand injustice you know no, it just—I just i just don't like injustice and it's right. um and as irish we often go to war about it so <laughs> yeah. um you know it's uh yeah i don't i really do not like injustice where yeah. i see it and i do want to do something to change it so in that respect i've been more boots on the ground and putting my money where my mouth
3: is instead of i think you've got a very very interesting story and i and i i hope that one day you are in a a position where you are feel that you can share you know your story because i i think we need that kind of insight we really do
1: yeah i think um i'm sure that there are a lot of people that saw things that i saw and felt the way that i felt and i think <clears throat> for everyone to understand that and know that would help everyone on on both sides of the the uh, spectrum i think i would hope
3: you know you remind me of nadine Gordimer, who i admire so much <laughs> <I> really do <laughs> No,
1: I'm blushing.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom, you've got Nadine Gordemar vibes. That's what you're giving me. <laughs>
1: it's funny. Right now, we're actually writing. It started out as one book and not a biographical book about... Because we have six children and 14 grandchildren. And, wow. Congratulations.
2: um Congratulations. Yeah. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> We're still standing. I have
1: quite a lot of red hair. But... <laughs> I <have> no hair. <laughs> but we're here. I'm very so,
3: gray you know, underneath
1: my hair used to be
3: red. <laughs> I, used to I used to have red hair as well. It is good. Did you? Yeah. Every red, every shade you could think of in red. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and um I I we started writing a book about all the crazy things that has happened to our family while we were on vacations and trips, because they're really crazy stories. And they're the kind of stories, especially I think the one that we opened, we've opened the book with so many things happened in the first hour of the trip that literally people would say, "Did that really
2: happen? And (laughs) And why didn't you go back home?
1: Oh, yes. definitely. Why, a, didn't why didn't you turn around out? and go home? Sure. <laughs> uh-huh. so. And, um, I mean, it's just insane. What, what we saw and experienced in the first, the first hour and it only went on from there. Yeah. <laughs> what should have been, how many hours should that drive have taken us?
2: Oh, six, maybe
1: six hour drive, 15 hours later, we still weren't there. We were in two separate vehicles. It was way back in the day before cell phones or anything. So each parent was driving a different vehicle. Were you towing a pop-up camper? Mm -hmm. He was towing a pop-up camper. I got to be in the Trans Am. I'm not stupid. (laughs) And um, so I am? (laughs) And so, no, you're just more skilled than I
2: am. Oh, okay. Good cover.
1: Um so the kids would hold up signs, right? I would have them write signs with magic marker in a, in a cardboard and pull up beside the other person if we needed something, right? And about 15 hours in, I had my daughter <laughs> write up a sign that says, Mom says, pull over right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, I've had it. We need to find a place to stay, like right now. And we, and so instead of finishing the rest of the trip, we uh, stopped in a motel for the night instead of going on to the campground because it was just <laughs> insane. And when when we got to that motel, we pulled in, and like I said, he was pulling. He was driving a station wagon that was towing a pop up camper, and it was packed with all kinds of stuff and I was in the Transam so when I pulled into the motel I pulled into the slot for that room he pulled in across a couple of parking spaces across the way from it cuz you know it had a trailer on it and um we were on the bottom floor the first floor and on the second floor when I pulled up there was this what looked like a metal band this was back in the 70s mm-hmm. yeah and um so there were these guys drinking beer out of beer bottles and they didn't have any shirts on they just had leather vests oh, and they the had 80s. maybe it was the early 80s and they had on spike collars and long hair and <clears throat> we pulled up and the one guy takes his beer bottle and points towards Rob's car and says, "Oh, look, it's the Griswolds. <laughs> and they're all laughing. I'm in my car right underneath where they're standing. So I get out of the car and I know that all six of the kids are like, uh-oh, <laughs> mom's <mad. laughs> And I looked up at them and I said, you? I yelled, you just shut up. <laughs> I've been driving for 15 hours. I'm exhausted just shut up. That is my <laughs> husband. Those are my children. We are going in here. We're going to bed. I do not want to hear a door slam. I do not want to hear you walking. I do not want to hear a beer bottle drink. Do you understand me? And these really tough looking handy metal guys go, yes,
2: ma'am.
1: And she runs <laughs> walk into the room and slowly really, close I heard the door. We did from them
2: again. No,
1: not a <laughs> <laughs> oh. But that really happened. And that's yeah, not a made-up story but I think people would look at that and think, "Oh, that
2: didn't happen." So there's All lots right. of stories,
3: yes, but this totally is about you. I agree with you. Like mm-hmm. I can totally resonate with you there as well. I mean, my first <laughs> other book that I wrote about, funny enough, was called The Holiday of Discontent. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
3: you know, so this, this is why I'm laughing so much, you know, and I couldn't just I just remember about what I wrote in there. Um that was that was my first official um, uh, publication but I, I, as I say it wasn't um, independently done or anything like that it was through that magazine that I was uh, yeah. editing for and that I mean we were on a canal boat and we just managed to really flood it with us taking us with it you know <laughs> I mean like canal water's only I mean, meant to be so shallow isn't it we were in a big canal and like just got trapped in there it was just like the worst thing in the world and nothing, nothing to sh- like the the boat was up like this when we finished stuck in a lock you know with the the coast guard coming by saying "Oh, on you know they'd never seen so much action no, in really. all their lives you know and it, oh. like we we didn't own the boat at the time you know and um, somebody we knew had shares in it and <laughs> we couldn't even tell them because like they would have Traveled from wherever they were to us to try and rescue their boat, and we had nothing to even empty the boat out with. So we had to use. <laughs> it was just the worst. We had to use like, um, you know, what do you call them things, um, like a a dustpan and brush, you know, to sop. Oh no! <laughs> Hilarious, you know. We were there for the water would
1: it kind was, of seep out of that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah you know, far.
3: and a pot, you know, like you know yeah. the pot from underneath, you know, and we were asking. There were people who felt so sorry for us. They were stopping by to see how they could help us, you know, <laughs> to rescue us. It was just, it was just. We had to, like you, we had to stay in a hotel that night, you know. <laughs> And let the we had to stay a few days longer just so we could air the thing out, you know, to right, yeah, you know,
1: (laughs) right, I'm talking about, (laughs) yeah, every one of our vacations went something
3: like that. (laughs) (laughs) I must say, that was the only one, and I never went on it ever again. (laughs) Well
1: no matter what kind of vacation we went on that is kind of the way (laughs) that it went so it didn't matter what you did i mean i remember one time we were driving through the the redwoods and it was all switchback trails and everyone got carsick we pulled over to the side of the road and this whole motorcycle gang of hell's angels came up and pulled up beside us and our kids are all like oh my god and in,
0: did we
2: cut them off back there or something cut, oh no are
1: they going to murder us and meanwhile we're all getting sick over the edge of this cliff right <laughs> and they jump off their motorcycles and they all went over to the side and they got sick they were all getting sick too <laughs> and they jumped back on their motorcycles and they said This is a beast, isn't it? It was pretty funny, though. (laughs) You see a whole bunch of Hell's Angels ride up on motorcycles, and you don't think you're going to bond.
0: Not very well.
1: But we
3: did.
2: We did. So let me ask you the question that I usually ask all of our guests. Yeah. Yeah. what advice would you have for somebody who wants to set out in writing but isn't really got the um got the uh, bravery to do it
3: just get on with it just write you know there's nothing you can do except to write you know there's not we can't we can't work with an idea we can't you know there's very little you know that can be done I mean you can work with an idea but you've got to get it down written so that someone else can see it so written or typed however you wish to present it you know but it's got to be in a legible legible format for somebody else to interpret it and be able to bring it to fruition and give it the life that it needs so just write you know I won't worry about whether you're an expert you know just think about when you were last at school and you had to write a story and take it from there. You know, that's what I would do. You know, and Excellent. just run. it. Because if you've got like a really good story, it doesn't matter how well it's written, you know, that's not really the there's editors for that, there's proofreaders for that, you know, that's not your concern. Your concern is to be able to translate what's all up in here, you know, down on that paper so that somebody else can understand it. Um, you know, or just understand the idea. And if you can't write it, then please get somebody else to. Yeah, there
2: you That's go. You oh. Cool, cool. Okay. Do you have anything else you'd like to share?
3: Um. No, not really. Uh, okay. Cool. Cool. No, no, that I can think of except that um, We need more. We need more authentic writers in the industry. You know, um, let's not be doing the copycat thing. You know, we're all have our own unique stories to offer and tell. You know, there's a place for all of us. And um, everybody should have a story. Everyone should have a book. So we've all got something to learn from each other.
2: Right, right. That's very true.
1: Everybody does have a story. and yeah. But I think some people don't realize they have a story. Right. But they need or to the realize they the do have. Or the ability
2: to put it on the paper. Um,
1: yeah. And I think some people also think nobody wants to hear this. Right, exactly. But yeah. they do.
3: Yeah they do they need to you know how How are we going to learn about you you know Mm -hmm. people all these people that have dropped off the face of the earth and have never told their stories there's all those hidden talents you know that we you know we've got to change that
2: yeah Yeah. agreed agreed well thank you so much for joining us from across the pond Mm -hmm. uh tonight and um i hope everybody uh gets onto your website and and uh, really enjoys what's there you've got a wealth of stuff on your website there that uh, wealth of information it was thank very you. good meeting you and thank you thank for being on the show thank you
3: for having me appreciate it
2: okay we're going to move you over to the side and see see if i can get you moved up. there we go sometimes <laughs> it sticks so. <laughs> no, no it doesn't not really okay I um, Want to remind everybody about episode rewind this this Saturday, 5:30 p.m. and um, right where you're at right now, episode 44. Next Wednesday is October 5th, and it's seven o'clock. Our regular show. Uh, join us for the Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles reveal, part three. Oh my God! Already. Wow. Uh, we have Linda Pertle with book seven of the Magnolia Bluff series, uh, that's releasing in October. Kelly Marshall, uh, with Book Eight, uh, that'll be released in November, and Jinx Schwartz, uh, Book Nine, for December. So all three of those authors will be on the show and telling about their part in the Magnolia uh, Bluff Crime Chronicles.
1: Can you believe that? No,
2: that's that's finally crazy. Finally
1: coming to an end. I can't. That went by fast. Yeah,
2: but there's going to be another year another, so here we go again right
1: yep series
2: two series two um coming up uh, in october after that uh october 12th uh and angela hankins will be on uh october 19th is eiken Lin. i'm not sure if i pronounced her name correctly but um she's going to be on on the 19th and october twenty-sixth, marcy and rob corn will be on so we've got a good month coming up in october and do you have anything else you would like to share?
1: No, I talked enough.
2: You talked enough. Okay. I did. All right, then. Um, well, let me find out where we are here. Here we are right here. <laughs> Until next time, then. That's all, folks. Good night. night.
1: Thank you for
4: joining us here on Meet the Author. Make sure you stay up to date with our show by clicking like, follow, and share. And you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and more.
1: See you next time on WLFE-DV.com.
0: You've been listening to WLFE-db.com,
4: where our shows are your shows.